Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. Look at, um, let me see, I'm confident that every person in this room to some capacity wants to serve. Now, Chris and I were having a conversation this morning. One thing she was talking about was that that the nature, our our nature in our sinful state, our nature before we come to Jesus, is, is a nature of selfishness, is a nature of what's in it for me. When we come to Jesus, that changes. But we have to be transformed to get there because sometimes we have the ability to default back to that kind of a setting. Now, my struggle in the tension that I have this morning is because I, I know that so many of you want to get involved. So I don't want to come across as if I'm trying to guilt you into serving. What I want to do is present a reason and the opportunity so that you can follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and and get involved. Just like Kendra said, it may not be this week, it may not be this month, but for some of you, you want to so bad, but you can't because you've said yes too many times. So you look at coming here and serving for, for a time on Sunday morning, but when you look at all of the rest of your life, it's like, you know what? Not gonna happen. There's not enough hours in the day, just cannot do it. And so, and I understand that because I have a very busy life. Um, Most of the people in my life are very busy people. And so I completely understand that. So here's what I want to share. Look at this verse. Uh, Let's just look at it in the New King James Version, um, Ephesians chapter 5. In the New King James Version, see then that you walk circumspectly. Now the parentheses, that's my own thing. I put in the definition. Sometimes with the King James Version, New King James Version, if you don't put in the definition of words, you have no earthly idea what it's saying. So, see then that you walk circumspectly. That just means to be careful that you consider the circumstances in decisions that you're making and the possible consequences. So it just means to be careful. Be careful. Uh, Not as, don't walk as fools, but as wise, now listen to this, redeeming, and that word redeeming means to gain or regain. You tracking with me? Gain or regain. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now let's talk about that just for a minute. The reason some of you can't say yes for Sunday morning is because you've said yes to a thousand other things. And sometimes we have to say no to some things to be able to say yes to better things. And sometimes we have to say no to things that have a temporary value to be able to say yes to things that have an eternal value. If we don't learn to say yes or say no, we will inevitably get too busy and, and here's, here's what I mean. You, once you get to a capacity, you will be so tired mentally and physically 
from saying yes to so often that even if you have the time to do Sunday morning, you don't have the energy. Is anybody tracking with me? Am I touching a vein? So we have to look back, pull back. Why do I say yes so often? First question. Why do I say yes so often? I think sometimes we say yes so often because we know that it won't get done right if we don't do it ourselves. Is anybody with me? I mean, is that not true? I, I tell you, I'd be, I, I would let somebody else do it, but they, they, they won't have to do it. They won't be completely responsible. And I'm not, you know what, this is, this is one of those they, who are they things. So they, this they is really a nobody they. It's just for, for hypothetical hyperbole. Whatever that is. <laughs> I better stop right there. Because what's going to follow is not going to be. But yeah. I don't want you, okay, imagine this. If I come to you and I say, would you do this? And, and so then you say, sure, I will do this. But then you half-heartedly do it or you don't really take responsibility of it. And so then what happens? Well, I'm just going to do it myself. And we all do that. We do it as parents. We do it at work. We do it at school. We do it in church. We do it in families. We all do that in, in, in places because we know I know in my mind that I'm going to put more effort into what I'm doing than anybody else, and I'm going to care more about what I'm doing than anybody else. That's what I think. And as long as I don't give anybody else a chance because I think that way, I may never find out if there might be somebody out there that would. I have to change my mindset. But then I also have to let go of responsibility because what if I give an opportunity and you don't do it as good as I would do it and you don't do it as zealously as I would do it? I have to let it go. That's hard. Man, that's hard to do. But I've got to let you fail so God can grow you. And by letting you fail, and you mean you don't understand what I'm saying when I'm using the I and the you kind of thing. I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about in any setting, you could be the I and I could be the you. But unless we let people fail, they will never learn. But if I let them fail, it could be a costly mistake. Could be a costly mistake to the church. If I give them the responsibility and nobody shows up. Got to let them fail. What does that mean? That means you've got to give people the opportunity. And this is hard for me to do. I had to learn this the hard way, but now it has become much easier. Because I realize that it's all about him. I can't control the world. I can't control the church. I can't control everything. So there are things I have to turn loose of. And if you screw it up, you screw it up. That's going to be between you and him. Things you turn loose to me, if I screw it up, I screw it up. Get it off your plate. Does that make sense? So we have to figure that out. Another reason sometimes we say yes so much is because we wrap our identity up in what other people think about us. And so if somebody else, if I say no, they may not like me. And I want them to like me, and I want them to love me. And therefore, I have the tendency to keep down conflict 
to keep down potential. Let me to keep down potential conflict because we script out conflict a lot of times when there would be none if we just followed through. Does that make sense? So we're scripting in our mind conflict from, for, okay, if I say no, here's going to be the result of that no, and so we script the movie out, when in reality it probably is not going to be half as bad as what we have scripted it to be. But if I have to have you to love me, then I may, I may say yes when I really feel no. I may say yes when I really think I'm supposed to say no. And if I say yes to so many things, I can't say no to the things that God is telling me to say yes to. The Apostle Paul says in, um, in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul, in talking, he said, God has, he's talking to the, to the Ephesians and they're Gentiles, and he said, I am a prisoner of Christ for the sake of the Gentiles. Now, how do you get to be a prisoner? You get arrested. Right? You get arrested? Think about Paul driving down the road. He's on the highway of Damascus. He's driving down the road and suddenly the light's flashing. Read the story. You'll see I'm right about this. The lights start flashing. And, and the, the cop behind him, who is Jesus, gets on his bullhorn and tells him to pull over. And he says, why are you persecuting me? Maybe, just maybe, Paul resist, or who was Saul at the time, resisted just a little bit. I think he got, I think Jesus pulled the taser out. <laughs> because he hit the ground. I mean, you can see all this right there in Scripture if you, if you look at it. And, and what happened? Jesus arrested Saul, who became Paul. He arrested him at that moment. And Paul then was given the assignment, a prisoner of Christ for you Gentiles. What is he saying? He, I am bound to do what God's called me to do. I am bound to do the assignment that God has given me to, to do. The same way Paul was graced to do that, was given the grace of God to do. He'll never ask, God will never ask you to do anything that he hasn't given you the capability to do or the ability to learn how to do what it is he's called you to do. You with me? Because sometimes we may say no to things that we ought to be saying yes to because we fear that we're incapable of carrying it out. There's a lot of reasons to say yes. Uh, let, me, let me go to the end, you know, that we say yes. Let me go ahead and stop that. If people love, let me throw this out. If people love you, if people truly love you, you saying no to them is not going to change the relationship. Am I right? So you may be gut, you may be, given so much of your life to people who really don't care about you, they just care about what you can do for them. And you're killing yourself, and you're killing your family, and you're killing your friends, and you're killing people at school, or you're killing people wherever. You're, why? Because you're saying yes too much. And some of you are saying yes because you need that person to love you when you should say no, and then you'll find out whether they really love you or not. Right? Now, 
I'm going to give you an opportunity. I told you it's going to give you an opportunity to say no before we leave here today. I wish I could go off of memory with this, but I'm not going to be able to. But there's one part I can. We all have 168 hours a week. Does anybody have less? How many hours do you have in a week? 168? You got 168? Both of y'all have 168. That's awesome. Anybody have less than 168? I didn't ask you if you feel like you have less than 168. <laughs> I feel like, but how many of you say, I have 168 hours in a week? We all have 168 hours in a week. We start out there. And so if, and here's where I have, because I'm not a mathematician. If I give us all eight hours of sleep a night, that's 56 hours. Now, some of you sleep more than eight hours, but nowadays most people probably don't even sleep eight hours. Some of you are probably thinking, eight hours? I haven't seen that since I was three years old. Um, but I'm just going to give you, for the sake of discussion, I'm going to give you eight hours to sleep every night which is 56 sleeping hours. That gives us 112 hours left over. Now, we're going to give everybody in the room a 50-hour work week. Some of you are saying, I haven't seen a 50-hour work week since. <laughs> I mean, but here's the deal, because I know I work way more than 50 hours a week. And I know a lot of you work way more than 50 hours a week. But some of you don't work 50 hours a week. For some of us who do work more than 50 hours a week, sleep less than 56 hours a week, so it all balances out, right? So for sake of discussion, we're pretty close. We're, we're fairly close with this. That gives, us, um, that gives us 62 hours left. So now all of us in the room... Given 56 hours of sleep and 50, and 50 hours to work, everybody in this room, we have 62 hours left in the week to do what needs to be done. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've raised three kids. I know how small 56 hours can seem after sleeping and after working. I know. But we all have 56 hours in a week. Left over. 62 hours. I told you I had to read it. <laughs> we all have 62 hours left, okay? If we served once during one service on Sunday morning, that's 1.5 hours. That's an hour and a half. Out of 168 hours. An hour and a half out of 62 hours. Probably one of my grandkids. <laughs> hour and a half. An hour and a half. Now, some of you are sitting here saying, yeah, but I'm doing that right now because isn't this a worship service? <laughs> Somebody really messed up things a long time ago when they call people sitting in a room watching other people work, service. <laughs> this is not service. This is a worship gathering, right? This is a worship gathering. So we can't count that. This is just what we give God because 
we love him. 1.5. Now, you may say, but bud, if I, if I serve one, I still want to go to a service. Okay, let's say three hours. Let's say three hours on Sunday. If we give three hours on Sunday, we have 60.5, we have 59 hours left. I did the math on the thing, and I still can't even get it right. 59 hours left. Now, you may be involved in other places doing other things, and let's say, let's say you total up uh, five hours in a week serving in some capacity at Harvest. This is so that we can bring people here. We're going to come be loved so we can go reach people and bring them back here, right? So here's the question. Is it unreasonable? Is it unreasonable out of 168 hours in a week to give an hour and a half serving each week? An hour and a half serving each week. Six hours out of four? Out of 168 hours, six hours given to the Lord. Is it unreasonable? That's my question. Is it unreasonable to ask that we give an hour and a half each week? Is it unreasonable? No, I mean, real, be honest with you. Is it unreasonable? This is your opportunity to say no. I told you I was going to give you an opportunity to say no at the end of the service. This is your opportunity. Tell me no. Is it unreasonable? Tell me. Come on. <laughs> you know it's not. And I'm not even going to get to this part, and I'm not going to preach it because we're at the end. But he ends that verse saying the days are evil. We live in some crazy days. It's a crazy, confused, mixed up, screwed up world that we live in. A world that has been so rocked by sin that when we look out there now, when, when I look, I'm 57 years old, when I look into this world right now, sometimes I think, where am I at? It, it's not even close to where it was when I was a teenager. It's a tough world out there. I've got to regain. I've got to regain some time to serve. He said, redeem the time because the days are evil. I've got to regain some time, which means if it may take a while, I've got to say no to some things and some things I just can't walk away from. And, and do not go into your job Monday morning and say, uh, boss asks you to do something. You say, no, nah, I don't think I will. You're going to have a lot of time on your hands you do that. That's not what I'm talking about. But we have to start saying no to some things. That means there's some things you're going to have to work your way out of that you know that you should not be involved in or doing that you've been volunteering in. But there's some things you have to let go of before you can add something else in. And some of you for so long, you've just added and added and added and added and added. You can't do that. It'll destroy your family. It'll destroy your life. Everything. There's a time when you have to say, God, you're the one that I have to please. What? What is my assignment for you? What do you want me to do? 
Now, for some of you, you will never serve on Sunday morning here because that's not your assignment. But I promise you this, by far most people will. And after you've been here a while and you find out if this is your home, then we'll ask you to start emptying the trash can. When you decide this is your home, we'll ask you to start sweeping. When you decide this is your home, then we're going to ask you to wash the dishes. When you decide this is your home, we're going to ask you to load the dishwasher and empty the dishwasher. Why? Because that's what people do that live together as a family. And then when people come in from out there, we don't have them working. We sit them down at the table, we put a meal down in front of them and we love them, we give them a meal and we say, God bless you and they leave and then we, what are we doing? We're coming to be love. Okay, 38 seconds. The, time, the days are evil. Our kids are getting hit. Mind battles. We are adults. There are things that I hear adults say now that I'm thinking, where has the Scripture gone? Where has the authority of Scripture in our life gone? Even Christian people are so sensitive and need to be so loved that we jump on the bandwagon of things that we know are wrong. But we do it because it's our certain political persuasion or we do it because we need somebody to love us. Where is the kingdom of God? The days are evil. There's got to be some people that'll say, you know what, we're going to love these kids and we're going to teach these kids and we're going to walk with these kids and we're going to pray with these kids. And then when they move from children to youth, we're going to keep pouring into them. And then when they become adults, we're going to keep pouring into them. We're going to make a difference in this world. And for the ones that we go out there to, that we reach that have been so screwed up and so messed up by this world and this world system and they've lost hope, we're going to bring them back in here. We're going to put hope back in them through Jesus and we're going to help them realize you can have a life and a good life and a blessed life we are going to teach you how to do this we're going to make disciples disciples of Jesus Lord I give you praise oh Jesus raise up a church in us that will so make a difference in this world Raise up a church in us that, that still follows you, that still believes you who you are, who you said you are, and that we can bring other people to the real Jesus that is life-changing, that is loving. Lord, that you can reach down in and give hope where hopelessness is. God, use us. Use us. Give us wisdom to make a decision to serve you based upon what you have done in our heart. Not just because we've been moved emotionally, but because we love you and our, out of our relationship with you, when the timing is right, we step in and follow. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you.
Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.